Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Adam Green with nomorenews.org. Thank you for joining me. Today is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. And joining me to discuss Christianity and the Jewish agenda, I've got two legendary anti-Zionist voices, Catholic theologian Dr. E. Michael Jones and secular author Christopher John Bjorkness. Both have been guests on No More News. I've read both of their best-selling books, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit and Its Impact on World History by E. Michael Jones, and Beware the World to Come by Christopher John Bjorkness. Both of all of their books were recently banned from Amazon. My guests have common ground in some respects, but also some significant differences, which we will be hashing out in the next hour discussing if Christianity is the answer and solution to the threat of Zionism, or if it's one of the causes that's left Gentile societies vulnerable to the Jewish agenda. In other words, is it the Jewish question, or is it also the Christian question? I'm honored to host a discussion between the two, two of you gentlemen, and I appreciate you both for being here. I always commend people willing to debate their views, especially publicly. Shout out, uh, special thanks to my friend Dave Riley for helping me set this up. And we're here today because I recently had Bjorkness on discussing his new book, Beware the World to Come. And in the chat and the comments, people were requesting I bring on E. Michael Jones to debate Bjorkness's views. So by popular demand, here we are. I'm going to be wearing my moderator hat today and stay completely neutral. Keep it a clean discussion, all the blows above the belt. But please be candid and forthright. I believe this will be a productive, educational, and entertaining conversation. I know I've been looking forward to it. I will ask a few questions to the both of you to keep the conversation moving. There will be time for some back-and-forth dialogue. And we will be taking questions from the DLive Lemons Diamond or More at the end. But let's begin with a completely uninterrupted 5 to 10 minutes to briefly introduce yourselves, explain your work, where they can find your work, and the stance you will be debating today. Starting with Dr. E. Michael Jones, I understand it's a Catholic holiday today, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, so thank you for agreeing to be here. Dr. Jones, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, 12 years ago, I wrote a book called The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, largely as a result of the uh, war in Iraq, the neoconservative takeover of American foreign policy, and what uh, looked like the the Jewish takeover of American culture. Uh, Up to that time, I had written about parts, uh, various aspects of this, but this was the first time I put it together from the, uh, viewing it from the lens of, uh, of, uh, of Jewish subversion. Now, in order to uh, maintain my thesis, in order to state my thesis, I had to use a word, and the word was logos. Uh, Logos is the Greek word for reason, rationality, speech. Uh, And I had to use this word because I had to define what the Jew was. Now, 
up up to this point, we had an increasingly increasing crescendo of uh, attacks on people calling them anti-Semites without any indication that the term anti-Semitism was a relatively new term. It had come into existence in Germany in the 1890s. Uh, I'm sorry, in the 1870s, largely from the result of a work by the name of a uh, man by the name of Wilhelm Marr called Der Sieg des Judentums über das Germanentums. Uh, Marr was a revolutionary, revolution of 1848. He, fe- he was felt that he had been betrayed, the revolution had been betrayed by the Jews in Hamburg, and he needed a new way to talk about uh, Jewish participation in what he saw was the revolutionary movement. Before that time, there was only one way to talk about the Jews, and that was from a religious perspective. And so what I tried to do uh, with this book was to go back to the traditional understanding of what it meant to be a Jew. Uh, that, that concept came into being at the time of Christ, who was the Jewish, the Messiah. Jesus Christ arrived on this earth. Uh, and the Jews had to accept the Messiah on his terms and not their terms. They got into a furious argument with him about who he was and what he expected of the people, and ultimately they rejected him, and they called for his death. And in calling for the death of their Messiah, the Jews uh, attacked the Logos incarnate. Logos meaning word, meaning speech, meaning rationality. In attacking the the Logos, they attacked the order of the universe, and in attacking the order of the universe, they became revolutionaries, and that's what they've been ever since. Christianity grew up as a response to the hostile reaction that Jews had to the Logos. Uh, If we look at the original documents from the Gospel of St. John, which uses the word Jew 71 times, 70 times of which are pejorative. If we looked at the Acts of the Apostles, we see that this conflict then spilled over into actual battles, actual uh, shedding of blood. Uh, Jesus, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, when his disciples then took to the streets and proclaimed the gospel as they understood it. This conflict then spread throughout the entire uh, Mediterranean world largely through the, the efforts of St. Paul, who began uh, his uh, gospel journeys, his evangelizational journeys, after being expelled from the synagogues of, uh, of Palestine and of the area surrounding Palestine, Palestine and from all of the Jewish communities and from all of the synagogues. So what we had here was a, a new version of uh, basically two ideas that had come together, a synthesis of two of the main ideas of human history up to that time. The Hebrew scriptures, which had an understanding of history, but no understanding of philosophy, and Greek philosophy, which had an understanding of philosophy, but no real understanding of history. Christianity forged these two things, put them together uh, to create a new religion, and uh, that religion then took over after the fall of the Roman Empire, took over the uh, administration of the failed Roman Empire, and then went on to create Europe. 
based on this new understanding of Logos, the new understanding of human history that went along with it. That has led all the way up to this day, uh, not without certain setbacks. Uh, the main setback being uh, the return of revolution to uh, the stage of human history. Uh, in my book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, I talk about the Hussite Rebellion as the beginning of that revolution. The, Revol the Reformation was another manifestation of this revolution, and then it came out to the fore in, time, uh, in the 18th century with the French Revolution. At this point, the church found itself on, in a defensive position. Okay, the church power had been destroyed. There was a new power uh, in, in Europe. This power was manifested in the name of Napoleon, who represented revolution. And one of the first things that Napoleon did as the new emperor was to emanci emancipate the Jews. This took place in 1808. And with almost immediately, there was negative feedback about the result of this. Napoleon, on his way back from Jena, met with uh, the French in Strasbourg, and they complained that the Jews were already exploiting their position by exploiting financially the, the uh, French people. This continued for a century, and the church uh, was uh, buffeted by revolution across Europe, but still maintained its equilibrium enough to pose at the end of the 19th century uh, a series of articles which appeared in Civita Cattolica on the Jewish question. This was the definitive statement of this issue at the end of the 19th century. The thesis of those articles was clear. Uh, if you turn away from the laws, if any country in Europe turns away from the laws that were created by a Christian king and Christianity, they will end up being ruled by Jews. That was the situation in France. That was also the situation in Germany at the end of the 19th century. At around the same time, the great uncle of uh, Pope Benedict the uh, Sixteenth, Georg Ratzinger, wrote a book uh, called Judicius Erwerbsleben, in which he said pretty much the same thing, because this was uh, there was a general consensus around this time that the emancipation of the Jews had led to the uh, led to the uh, destruction of the Christian social order. Georg Ratzinger was very prophetic in this regard. His book was written in 1894. He said the rage that we're now feeling against uh, the Jewish Jewish usury, the manipulation of our culture, is reaching a crescendo. It will soon be an avalanche, uh, and the only way, uh, and and it will become unstoppable as soon as the German people find a leader. The leader, uh, the word German word for leader, is of course Führer. And they found their furor in the 1930s. And we know this, the history of what happened after that. His alternative was a not the violent alternative, which eventually the world got, but the peaceful alternative, which is uh, the, 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 the Christian countries of Europe need to enforce the laws that are already on the books. If they don't enforce these laws, there will be violence. What we're seeing is a replay of that same uh, spirit uh, right now. A hundred years later, we are in practically the same situation. Uh, the Jewish dominance has become intolerable. And uh, as before, there is violence uh, waiting around the corner. And the main perpetrators, the main instigators of this violence are the Jews themselves. Uh, largely because 
of their determination to impose speech codes on the rest of us, impose uh, a gag, uh, an inability to discuss the reality of the situation. That's the, uh, they have the political power. They have done this over the past year. And the result is that violence is just around the corner once again. One my position, minute, Michael Jones, for 10 minutes to let you know. My position is the Christian position, which is we need to avoid this violence. My position is that the church has always had a solution. Uh, it was called Secret Judeus Non. Uh, the solution is not that they didn't have a solution. The solution was not applied when it could have been. When it was applied, uh, there was enormous uh, progress among the European nations, enormous amounts of conversions on the part of the Jews. I document this in my book, beginning with the Disputation of Tortosa. Basically, every single Jewish congregation in Europe, Western Europe, either converted or moved to Poland. That same, uh, that same type of conversion is possible to the day. Today, it's happened. I've, I've, I've witnessed it myself. My books, my writings, and my speaking have been instrumental in bringing that conversion in our, in our time. Wow. You, you, you timed that 10 minutes incredibly, I got to say. Thank you very much for that, uh, uh, your comments. So uh, the takeaway I kind of got there is that uh, countries need to be Christian in order to um, oppose the threat of, of Zionism, of Judaism. Is, is that a fair summary? I'm saying that Christianity is the only effective antidote to the rejection of Logos which is the source of the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Okay. It, that, okay. that, is, that is the thesis uh, of my presentation. It's the thesis of my book. Thank you very much. And now uh, shift it over to Christopher John Bjorkness, uh, your opening statement, Mr. Bjorkness. Um, I am an author. My most recent book is Beware the World to Come. In this book... I demonstrate that Christianity was fabricated by the Jews to undermine the Gentile nations, in particular the Roman Empire, and to utilize the Gentiles to fulfill many of the missions that the Jews believed that they had at the changing of the ages from the age of Aries to the age of Pisces. Let me first address Dr. Jones's statement. Uh, I think he is establishing a heretical cult of logos that is based upon sacrilegious pagan interpretations of the term logos. He defined it as word, reason, rationality, and speech. Those are all Greek meanings of the term. The Gospel of John presents no such understanding of logos, nor does the Apocryphon of John. Both of those define Logos as the Father, God, and the Son, as in S-O-N, the Son of the Father, and as light. Light refers to the light bringer, Lucifer. Light refers to the divine in the Christian system. And Dr. Jones is unfortunately creating a syncretic religion based upon pagan, uh, not pantheism, but panentheism, 
where you have the Greek concept of the one, the monad, which is beyond space and time and beyond physical attributes. And it is the seat of the platonic ideal forms. And then you have emanations from the one which form the imperfect material world. So he is deviating strongly from the Gospel of John, and he is introducing instead the Neoplatonic philosophies of Plotinus, the Platonic philosophies of the Stoics, the philosophy of Plato himself, and Heraclitus. It was not the Gospel of John which introduced Logos into the Judaic lexicon. It was instead Philo the Jew who introduced it and he related it to the Platonic concept of the Demiurge. But the Christians, particularly the Gnostic Christians and John, uh, redefined it. It is not the Demiurge, it is divine light. So unfortunately, Dr. Jones is creating a very Kabbalistic system and a heretical cult of the Logos, which deifies and mystifies the term Logos and utterly changes it from the original Christian conception. I agree with him that Christianity is a syncretic blend of Greek and Judaic, but I part with him when he, uh, impl when he states that this uh, syncretic religion is based upon philosophy. It is instead based upon the Orphic deities, Kronos and um, Phanes Protogenes. Phanes means the light bringer, which is what Jesus was, the light bringer. Phanes was an androgyne and a hermaphrodite. Protogenes means the first begotten, which is what Jesus was. So indeed, it is a syncretic blend of Judaism and Hellenism, but it is a blend of the Orphic hymns with Judaism and not, as he has been misled to believe by the Catholic Church, a blend of the Greek philosophers with Judaism. If, uh, Adam, you can pull up what I sent you, that link to the ransom theory of atonement, the early church father, Origen, in the third century AD, created what is termed the ransom theory of atonement, which holds that Jesus Christ was a ritual blood sacrifice made to Satan in order to redeem humanity by paying the ransom for the original sin of Adam. So the church for a thousand years embraced the ransom theory of atonement. Augustine embraced and endorsed it. And it specifically said that Jesus Christ was a ritual blood sacrifice given to Satan as a ransom to pay the debt. And Origen was perfectly correct in this, but he did not tell the full story. In my book, Beware the World to Come, I reveal the full story that Jesus was indeed sacrificed as a scapegoat in a blood ritual to Satan. But Satan was in fact his father. When he refers to his father, he is referring to Lucifer, Satan. And when the Christians referred to Yahweh, they were in fact referring to Satan. And they viewed the Yahweh of the Old Testament as the evil creator God, whom they called the Demiurge.
The ritual of the scapegoat is stated in Leviticus chapter 16, and in the Talmud, it thoroughly explains it in the tractate Yoma. In this ritual, two identical goats are selected by the high priest. Those two goats symbolize the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. The one goat, the Jacob goat, represents the Jews and is given as a sin offering to Yahweh. Its blood is sprinkled on the horns of the altar. The other goat, the Esau goat, is sent out into the wilderness to Azazel as a gift, as a scapegoat. The high priest would put all the sins of the Jews onto that goat and tie a red woolen ribbon around its neck. The high priest would also tie a red woolen ribbon around the gates of the temple. Another priest of the temple would bring that gate into the wilderness and shove it off a cliff. When he did that, the goat would tumble down the cliff and be torn into pieces. The high priest had other rituals to conduct once it was proven that the sins of the Jews had been transferred through the scapegoat. The scapegoat was given as a gift to Satan. Satan would accept the sins of the Jews and place them onto the Gentiles because Satan is the guardian angel of the Gentiles and is the accuser and prosecutor of the Jews in the heavenly court. So Satan had the power to accept this gift of Jewish sins, which he loved to devour because he's Satan and he wants lots of souls to populate Hades. And he would then transfer all of those sins from the Jews to the Gentiles who would become damned by those sins in the heavenly court because Satan would lie to God and say that these sins were the sins of the Gentiles. That is where the idea of the scapegoat comes from. And Satan was referred to as Azazel in uh, Leviticus, and Azazel is Satan, as all of the Kabbalah, the Talmud, and Jewish texts acknowledge. In the year 30 AD, that ritual failed. When the high priest sent the scapegoat into the wilderness, the ribbon did not change from red to white. And therefore, the high priest had to find another way of obtaining atonement for the Jewish people. The high priest at that time was Caiaphas. And Caiaphas said that he would redeem the Jewish people by um, sacrificing Jesus. So Jesus became the scapegoat and the sacrifice to Satan. Now, Christians were warned by Jesus that they would be martyred. And Jesus's advice to the Christians was to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Wise as serpents refers to Genesis 3, verse 1, where the serpent is called crafty. The dove is a reference to the passages in Leviticus uh, 1.14 and 5.7, where the dove is the holocaust, the burnt offering and the sin offering sacrifice. So Jesus is telling Christians to sacrifice themselves in martyrdom as he was sacrificed, which also makes each Christian an individual sacrifice to Satan. Christians are also told that they each individually bear the cross, just as Jesus bore the cross. Now, Paul stated that 
Jesus was cursed with the law because he hung from the tree. And in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 23, it states that anyone who hangs from a tree is cursed. So all Christians who bear the cross are cursed, and they are cursed to be a human blood sacrifice to Satan. And I have much more to say about it when I have more time. Okay, thank you, Chris. Uh, Michael Jones, your, your thoughts on uh, Bjorkness's opening statement there? I, I'm totally befuddled. I don't know what to say. There was, it, it, first of all, um, are you a Christian? No, never been. Okay, but I'm a heretic. You're saying I'm, you're not a Christian, but yet you're saying you have the That's orthodox. That's an ad hominem argument. Why don't you address just, what I said? I'm just asking I said you, that I you're have... misrepresenting the logos and imposing on it a pagan interpretation which nowhere exists in the Gospels. Now, wait a minute. I'm, I'm a Catholic. And, but I don't I'm care what you are. Why don't you respond to what I said? I'm a Catholic, but I'm imposing a pagan interpretation on this. Whereas you you're not, it. you said that it's wait Greek. a minute. Whereas you, you were, let, let him where, finish, Chris. Let him finish. Uh, we, I'm, uh, so I'm a Catholic, but I'm imposing a pagan interpretation on it. But you're not a Christian, and yet your uh, interpretation is supposed to be orthodox. Is that what I'm supposed to think here? This makes no, no sense. To this makes to no what sense. I said and the facts that I presented and respond to them in a logical and cogent manner. I, I can't. I can't respond. I can't respond in a logical, cogent fashion because what you presented was neither logical nor cogent. Which part? So I can only. Resp- I can only try to. I don't. I, what I'm is dumb, it that I said I'm, that I'm was illogical and not cogent? Well, uh, to begin with, uh, you start by saying that the Jews created Christianity. That's preposterous. Christianity was created in reaction. That's what I said about the logos, Dr. Jones. You're you're skating around trying to avoid what I said. You have misinterpreted the word logos and imposed upon it the pagan beliefs of Greek philosophers instead of following the explicit definition given by John and by the apocryphon what's, of what's John. The defi- what's the definition given by John? There are three the logos, there are, I told there you are the three sentences. You didn't listen to what I said. You asked me a question, may I respond? The definition given by John is that Logos is the father. Theos is specifically what it states. That's not true. That is flat out not true. You got it completely wrong. Logos. No, I don't. It, Logos. Uh, pull Logo, up, uh, John chapter one. Wait a minute. It stop, says that the stop. Logos Can in I the finish? beginning was Theos. Theos is God. Logos. No, you is, said you said you said the Logos is the Father. That's flat out wrong. The Logos is the Son. It's not the Father. You, you, don't, you can't even get the Trinity Adam, straight. Isn't, isn't Logos uh, the word and the truth also? It seems to have a lot of uh, Adam, meanings. Up chapter one, because I'm going to discredit this man in about three seconds. John chapter one. Yes, please. The word for God is Theos. The word for word is Logos. That's right. Where's Father. You just said uh, Logos was the father. The word was God. The very first verse at the end, the word was God. That means Logos was Theos. That's right. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean Logos was Theos? (laughs) 
the, the first the three sentences. I don't understand. The first, the first, says, the first the word the first, was God hold, hold, hold in the original Hold on, hold on, Dr. Jones. What, what do you mean theos, by theos? That means logos was theos. I don't see the word theos here. Which word is theos? That's a translation, Adam. Okay, I know. The first, in the original Greek. The first, the first three sentences of the Gospel of St. John are, en arche en ha logos. In the beginning, there was logos, or word. Kai logos en prosteon, and logos was with God. Kai logos en theos, and logos is God. That's the, see, that's, see, that's the see, he got it wrong. He couldn't even get the very first verse of uh, the Gospel of John correct, and he's supposed to be the preeminent expert on logos. I find that hilarious. Yeah, I got it, got it wrong. What are you talking and about? And you told me I'm illogical and not cogent, and you don't even know what you're talking about. Which part did he get wrong? I... He got wrong when I said that logos is defined as the Father, as God, not defined as the father. father. And that no, that's wrong. Says that logos was theos. That's not the father. That's God. Theos means God. It doesn't mean father. If you're saying that so you're saying logos, God is not the father of Jesus Christ. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you made a mistake by associating the logos with the father. Okay. The logos is traditionally referred to as the son, the second person of the blessed Trinity. So you got that wrong. No, okay. I didn't get it wrong. Secondly, you just secondly, stated that I got it right. You don't know. You can't even make a rational argument. Okay, guys, let's let's move move on. E. Michael Jones said something there that I'd like to uh, shift topics to. You said that it's preposterous that Christianity was was started by Jews. Right. Absolutely. I, I thought that so was as like I, a, a as commonly known thing. No, I mean it, the whole beginning of Christianity. Christianity was born out of a conflict between Christians and Jews. The over Jews who the at this Jewish point, Messiah was though, correct? Right, over the understanding of the of the Messiah. The battle turned out to be a battle between the the people at that time, the Jews, the Hebrews who accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah as opposed to the Jews or the Hebrews who rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. It's preposterous to claim that Jew, Jews created Christianity. Christianity came into being in opposition to the Jews. Any reading of the Gospel of St. John, of the Acts of the Apostles, of the Epistles of Paul, makes it perfectly clear that there is a huge battle going on between Christians and Jews. Christianity is a break with the First of all, Christianity is the continuity. It is the logical continuation of the Hebrew religion. Jesus Christ makes this clear in the Gospel of St. John when he says uh, the Jews appeal to Moses we're, or Abraham. We're the sperm of Abraham, they say. And Jesus says, no, no, Moses and Abraham waited for this day the, to be consistent as a Jew you have to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The okay. Jews, by rejecting Can Jesus I Christ, sure. the Jews, by rejecting Jesus Christ, turned themselves into a new religion, right. a new religion of anti-Logos. Got it. And Chris, your thoughts on is uh, Christianity Jewish or was started by by Jews? Well, of course it's Jewish. Jesus said he came for the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't say he came for the Gentiles. He told his disciples to stay away from Gentiles. He called the Canaanite woman a dog and said that 
Uh, she's the, only fit for table did scraps. Did the Jews kill Christ? Did the Jews kill Christ? Christ never existed. In the story, the... Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. How are we supposed to continue if you make a preposterous statement like that? This is, it's impossible. No. It's impossible to talk to someone who makes preposterous statements. See, you're engaging in ad hominem comments, and you you're said not Jesus, allowing me to finish what I'm saying. Did Jesus Christ exist? Of course not. Um, Jesus I don't, Christ I don't see how it's was a descendant to of King David. He was a Judahite. He had to be a Judahite, or he could not have been the Messiah. Again, he said he came for the lost sheep of Israel. Several of his oh, disciples exist. were Jews. The original Christians were almost exclusively all Jews. So it was obviously created by Jews, initially for Jews, but they created it that way because pagans would not believe in it. They had to pitch it to the pagans based upon the synchronization of Judaism with the Orphic hymns and the myth of Phanes Protogenes. And once they had accomplished that, they were able to dupe the Romans into worshiping Lucifer and making themselves into perpetual scapegoats for the Jews. And the Jews designed this and were successful at it. And they believed, the Jews believed that if the pagans ceased to believe in their gods, those gods would perish and the pagans would lose all of their supernatural protection. And the uh, Christians went about destroying the cultural heritage and the religions of the indigenous people of Europe. And this was also part of the plan of the Jews. It was in the original uh, prophecies that the Jewish religion forecast for the Jews for breaking the covenant. Um, Dr. Jones is mistaken when he asserts that the revolutionary spirit was born when they chose Barabbas over Jesus. The Jews were revolutionary when they worshiped the golden calf. The Jews were perpetually uh, offering up their first children as uh, to pass through the fire to Moloch. Hezekiah and Josiah went around smashing all of the idols that the Jews worshiped. This was all long, long before Christianity. Solomon built the temple with the help of demons as well as angels. He took on foreign wives and built temples to those wives for their strange gods. Uh, the Jews have always had a revolutionary spirit. They were okay, revolutionary okay. against the Egyptians. They were revolutionary through the Maccabees against the Greeks, and they were revolutionary let's let, let's against the Romans Jones, at the time. Uh, of Christ, respond to, prior to the point to the you're making with these examples that the the revolutionary spirit predated uh, Christianity and Jesus. Do you disagree with that, Doctor Jones? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the, the, the Jews, the Hebrew people, first of all, we have a problem here with the word Jew. OK, what this word means. OK, uh, but secondly, the Hebrew people were constantly uh, in uh, rebellion against God's law. Of course they were. But that was not the, the Jewish revolutionary spirit. That was not the same thing. That rebellion, uh, 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 the prophets were forever uh, talking about the Jewish people's uh, sin. Uh, the Jewish people were constantly urged to repentance. And so it went back and forth and back and forth until finally the Messiah arrives. 
And at this point, we need some type of irrevocable commitment. And the Jews made that irrevocable commitment on the opposite side. Okay, they, they, they killed Christ. They rejected the Logos. And when they rejected the Logos, Logos they became revolutionaries. And that's the identity they have that has continued up to this day. That is the source of their May identity. I respond to that? Okay, and I, and I have a question as well, but go ahead. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about uh, Jesus going 40 days into the wilderness and being tempted by the devil. That devil is actually Yahweh. And the temptation that Yahweh gave uh, to Jesus was to make him assume the throne of David, which was defined in Isaiah that Jesus, that the Messiah would in fact, uh, unto us a son is born who will lead the governance of the entire world and take over the world. And that is what Yahweh offered to Jesus. And it is portrayed by the Christians because they invert Judaism as Satan offering the throne of David to Jesus. But in fact, it is Yahweh offering the throne of Jesus, okay. offering the throne of David to Jesus. Jesus rejects it. The Jewish people recognized that Jesus was the son of the devil. They repeatedly accused him of being a devil, being possessed by devils, and they rejected him because he was an imposter, and they understood that if they were to worship him, they were not worshiping the Messiah, uh, son of David, that he came as the suffering Messiah of Isaiah 53, and the suffering Messiah is the Messiah son of Joseph. And therefore, the Jews were not obliged to worship him. They rejected him as Messiah and utilized him as a sacrifice to Satan, as even the uh, Catholic Church acknowledged for a thousand years. Okay, response to Michael this, Jones? This is, again, this is preposterous. You make one preposterous statement after another. By the time you're finished talking, I've lost track of how many preposterous statements you this made. Is let's get back to the issue. This idiot. Okay. Let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the first preposterous he statement is you made. Calling me names, he is not responding just, just to what let, I said. Allow him to finish though. First, first, first preposterous statement. Nobody wants to hear you guys talking over each other. So first the first preposterous statement. Okay, let him not address it then and then say it after he's done. Go ahead. one minute. Mr. Jones, Dr. The first Jones. preposterous statement you said is that Yahweh is Satan. Not only is that preposterous, it's blasphemous. Why, why, why are we supposed to take this type of statement seriously? This is not a discussion. May I respond? This is a that, harangue here. That's why, that's why we brought you here, Michael to Jones, to, to, uh, to state, state your you case. You are supposed to take it seriously because the majority of Christians— were Gnostic Christians, and for the first five this is centuries, preposterous. You, well, you let, don't know let, what you're talking about. May I respond? Yeah. Okay. If you read the book by the noted German theologian Walter Bauer, the title of the book is "Orthodoxy and Heresy in Earliest Christianity." Doctor uh, Bauer proved that the early Christian Church was predominantly Gnostic. And what the proof, is now considered that. orthodox it's not true. was very much. You can't prove something that's not true. 
your saying it's not true does not make it not true. Well, you're citing some obscure book does not make it true either. That is not an we obscure have, book. We have reached book we, the problem the here. Theologians the of the problem here. Century. Problem here is that we can't come to any type of consensus about what is real or not. That's the problem. That's why we're not having a debate. You, sure we can. First sure off, we can. Let, let me ask a question. Well, let me ask a question. Hold on. Hold on. Do you acknowledge the fact Chris. the Gnostics called Yahweh Satan and referred to him as the Demiurge and the evil creator God? Demiurge, Demiurge is the word Plato used uh, to know talk about God. Uh, the, the God, as he understood, means worker of the people. Okay. Demiurge in the Platonic system is the way that uh, the one, the monad, emanated the Demiurge to create the universe and uh, put order okay. in the universe. We finally agree on something. The Demiurge created the universe. Yes, that I agree with that statement. That is the Platonic view. Right. Okay. I agree with that. That is not the Finally, view. we can agree on something. Okay, I agree with that. Now, where are we going to take that? Will you let me finish without interrupting me, please, so that we can have a rational discussion? Okay, if you would confine yourself to shorter statements, it would be easier to conduct a discussion. Okay, th- 30, 30 seconds, go, Chris. Go like, ahead. Make your point. 30 seconds. No interruption. Go. I got my, my timer on. The Demiurge is not defined in that way by the Gnostic Christians as anyone with any knowledge of Gnosticism would know. The demiurge in Gnosticism, as opposed to Platonic philosophy, is defined as Yahweh, as the evil creator God of the Jews, who is a jealous God and who forbid Adam and Eve from obtaining Gnosis, knowledge, by forbidding them to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge. So Dr. Jones obviously knows nothing about Christianity and nothing about Gnosticism. Okay, 30 seconds. Go ahead, 30 seconds, Dr. Jones. Well, how am I supposed to respond to a stupid statement like that? Well, you could do, uh, address this is, the point. This is not, this is, that I, that I know nothing about Christianity. How am I supposed to address a point like that? This is preposterous. This, this is not a discussion. This is I have to sit here and listen to a harangue based on a, a purely idiosyncratic understanding of Christianity by a person who's not even a Christian. Adam, so if where, you could uh, do a quick Google search and look up Demiurge and Gnosticism, oh, I, I we know, can prove I know that, that the Mr. Jones knows that Demiurge was the nothing evil about creator God. Discussing. I know that. That that's that's on Wikipedia. I, I, w- I want to ask Dr. Jones a quick question and get and not get stuck uh, for too long on a topic because we've only got a few more minutes, unfortunately. I, I hope to go uh, to go longer. But um, Dr. Jones, it seems to you that your big issue with Jews is that they rejected Jesus. That's the cause of the revolutionary spirit. But I, I think that begs the obvious question. If it weren't for the Jews rejecting and crucifying Jesus, then how would the Gentile world have been saved? You mean if the Jews hadn't crucified Christ, how would they have been saved? Exactly, yeah. Well, the, there there would be no salvation without Christ well, Wouldn't that be coming. a raw deal for us? If there were no salvation, yes, it would be a raw deal. So in, in are a you, way, are you you're saying grateful that, you, are you that saying, the Jews rejected Jesus. 
No, I'm not grateful that they rejected Jesus you Christ. Be I'm saved grateful if they didn't, though, right? That is not the cause of my salvation. Their sin is not the cause of my salvation. Jesus dying their on sin, the cross their, saved your sin. Saved uh, was your salvation. That's right. And Jesus Christ allowed Himself. He, he, God cannot be forced to do anything. Okay, but the, that doesn't change the Jews' wickedness in killing Christ, in killing the Messiah. It was the, the most wicked act in human history. Uh, but my salvation does not come from Jewish sin. It comes from God's, uh, God's grace and God's redemptive act. Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, a one minute uninterrupted to respond to that. Your thoughts on that? I wouldn't dispute that from a Christian perspective. I think that's rational. Okay. All right, but the uh, Gnostics, the Gnostics completely sidestepped that issue. The Gnostics said that um, salvation was not obtained through this satanic ritual of sacrificing Jesus Christ well, to Satan. Even, even if they did, I'm not, I finish I'm not what a I'm Gnostic. saying. Yeah, he had a he has a minute, Doctor Jones. Just just okay. hold your response. So, what the Gnostics believed is that Jesus provided salvation by. Uh, teaching his followers to meditate on themselves to release the divine spark of light, which was their spirit that was trapped in the evil material world that Yahweh had created. So most of the original early Christians um, were not in this uh, corpse cult. They still worship death, but they believed that death was good because it freed the spirit from the... Uh, corpse of the flesh, and that salvation is obtained as an intellectual process of coming to grips to understand the fact that one can obtain unity with God by releasing the spirit from the body and escaping the evil world that Yahweh, the God of the Jews, created. Okay, E. Michael Jones, um, you want to comment on that, or would you like the next question? Let's go to the next question. Okay. Um, I've seen uh, top Jewish rabbis like Maimonides and others that are pushing Noahide laws often say that Christianity is a stepping stone towards Noahidism and that that's why we're seeing the, the Christians around the world are uh, worshiping Israel, helping Israel uh, with their end times agenda, essentially. So what do you think about that, the idea that Christianity is Judaizing, essentially, the uh, Gentile world? Not true. Not true. The fact that we have the term Judaizing uh, is an indication that the church has always warned Christians against adopting obsolete practices. That's the part of the struggle. The early struggle with the church was basically to wean uh, Hebrew Christians away from the obsolete rites that they had grown up with. Uh, a great I mean, even someone as important to the Catholic Church as St. Peter had to be rebuked by St. Paul because he was still attached to those obsolete rites. So Christianity was a struggle against Judaism, and as the time went on, it became a struggle against Judaizing as well. The most important, one of the most important documents ever written in this regard was St. John Chrysostom's Adversos Judeos, 
which was basically arguing against the practices of Judaizing Christians in Antioch. These Christians were drawn to this back to the synagogue uh, because they had uh, musical productions that were very attractive to Christian ears. Ten seconds. And, uh, and Christendom had to warn against this. It's been a perennial danger. The fact that we know it's a danger means that the church has spent a lot of time resisting it. Okay, well, they spent a lot of time resisting it, but where are they at now with Christian Zionism in America and with with the Pope um, being philo-Semitic, essentially? Doesn't it seem like they've used Christianity to uh, and subverted it? Would, Would you agree with that, that Christianity, both Catholicism and Protestantism, has been subverted in the last hundred years minimum the uh the change in uh, uh the catholic church came about after vatican ii with the the um uh, adam am product- i going to get a chance yes to you are yeah, to yeah. Tw- go ahead 30 seconds e michael jones uh after nostra Aetate, uh the catholic church embarked on a uh, program of catholic jewish dialogue which uh, has been a disaster for the church and for the world. Uh, even the, the Vatican document had to admit that. So okay. that's been a disaster. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, a minute uninterrupted. That disaster was brought about by two Catholics, uh, Mordecai Martin and uh, Pope John the Twenty Third. Um, it was planned 2,000 years ago that as the age of Pisces came to an end and after the Christians had fulfilled their role in building a global empire, the Jews would then assume the throne of that global empire and behead all the Christians for violating the Noahide laws. And that is the process which is being undertaken right now. It's being undertaken right on schedule. And there are numerous Jewish authorities who predicted all of this, planned all of this, and their plans have been synchronized exactly to the scale of time which they set. E. Michael Jones, 30-second response to that? Uh, first of all, the, the man's name was Malachi Martin. It wasn't Mordecai Martin. If you want to read the story of how he tried to subvert uh, the Second Vatican Council, it's in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Uh, that's as far as it goes. Uh, to claim that there is a 2,000-year plan uh, is, again, to use my favorite word, preposterous, and you haven't proven it. You need you need to have you read the said, book of Luke? Uh, of course I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, what well, hold are on, the hold times on. Let me pause the you there. You say that it's preposterous. Hold on, Chris. Hold on, Chris. Chris, just a second. Michael Jones says it's preposterous that there's a two thousand year plan that Christianity right. was set up as a controlled dialectic since the inception. I'm sure a lot of Jews would scoff at the idea that that they are behind uh, all of their persecution throughout throughout history. So what's your response to that? My response to that is I've thoroughly documented in my book, Beware the World to Come, that the Jews said that the world is to exist for 6,000 years, which represent the three ages, the age of Taurus, the age of Aries, and the age of Pisces that the age of Pisces would be what Luke referred to as the time of the Gentiles, and that when that age changed to the age of Aquarius, the Jews would then assume the world to come, which they would inherit from the Christians 
after the Christians went around destroying all the culture and heritage of all the Gentile nations and replaced it with the uh, worship of Satan, which is Christianity, and that they would then decapitate all of the Christians pursuant to the Noahide laws. This is stated in the Babylonian Talmud in the tractate Sanhedrin. Everything I just said can be documented in that tractate Sanhedrin, which was produced uh, from 250 to 500 AD. The early Christians also acknowledged that the world was only to exist for 6,000 years, but they believed that the world to come would be a heavenly world and not of this earth. The Jews always stated that the world to come would be of this earth. And that was another way that they subverted the Gentiles by leading them to uh, look forward to the idea of being completely exterminated off the earth because the earth was the evil material world of the God Yahweh. And by uh, subverting the psyches of Gentile peoples to worship death in the form of Christ and the freeing of their spirit, the uh, Jews duped. Gentile humanity into welcoming the idea that at the end of the age, the world to come would be uh, brought about through apocalyptic wars that would then kill off humanity and that they would obtain their world to come in the heavenly kingdom of God. But the Jews had always planned that the world to come would be a Jewish utopia on the earth that would be devoid of Gentiles. Okay, E. Michael Jones, uh, one minute to, if you like to respond to that, and I have another question. I, I, ask me your question. I can't respond to that. Okay. Um, Dr. Jones, do you believe that, that the Jews or the Israelites or God's chosen people, do you think that, uh, that that's real, that they were God's chosen people? Yes. What do you think of the... Adam, let me uh, let me interject one thing. If I wait may. a minute, let him finish his question. Okay, I gave a one-word answer. Now let him finish the what, question. What do you What do you think about the Christian uh, identity groups that don't just believe Gentiles are grafted in, but that they're the true Israelites? The Catholic Church is the true Israel. The Catholic Church are the are the children of Moses. Christianity is the straight line that follows from uh, Abraham and then Moses and then Jesus Christ. So, yeah, the true, uh, the true Israel is the Catholic Church and Christianity. Yorkness? Um, it's worse than what you say, Adam. The Bible actually identifies Jews as gods. If you look up Psalm 82, verse 6, it specifically calls Jews gods. If you look up Ezra, chapter 9, verse 2, it specifically says that Jews bear the holy seed. And um, Jesus Christ himself in John, chapter 10, verses 30 to 34, relies upon Psalm 82 to claim his own divinity as a god. And he says that your own fathers called you all gods. So it is far worse. They believe they are the sons of light, the literal sons of God, carry the divine seeds and individually are gods. Dr. Jones? Sorry, don't. that's a misinterpretation of the scriptures. Okay, what about this one that says, uh, John 4.22, that salvation is from the Jews? 
And my right. question is, if you agree that, that the Jews were once God's chosen people, even if you reject them, do you see how that still elevates them to a, like a special divine status? They have a special status in human history. There's nothing we can do about that. And all of the good that they could have done if they accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah has been turned to, to evil because of their rebellion against Logos. So they were God's chosen people. Now the church is the true Israel. So the whole idea of uh, a chosen people has no meaning anymore. Uh, but they still have this negative identity and still consider themselves in some sense chosen. And therefore, they consider themselves uh, having, as having a license to heal the world. Uh, tikkun olam is their word for this. So they can uh, destroy your culture. They can do whatever they want. And they feel that they have some type of divine sanction because they still hearken back to that notion of the God's chosen people, even though they don't uh, deserve that designation anymore. Uh, Bjorkness, do, do you think that uh, the vast majority of Christians that believe that uh, Christian Zionists that believe Jews are God's chosen people, is this the deeper reason for their power over the affairs of uh, the world? Oh, absolutely. And I think what E. Michael Jones just stated is the correct uh, Christian position, and he ought to send it over to the Christian Zionists so that they can get... Uh, the Judaizing that has taken place out of their heads. Mm -hmm. That was the position of the early church fathers, and it's been the consistent Catholic position all the way through history up until about Vatican II. Um, I, I, I have another question. That. Okay, this is for uh, E. Michael Jones again. I, I, I watched oh, also, the, the, the early Christians did state that they viewed themselves as being chosen, at least for the period of their lifetime. Uh, Dr. Jones, I saw in your debate with uh, Rabbi Leitman, you said that the problem with modern-day Jews is that they are in uh, opposition of the Torah, that they're following the Talmud and the Zohar and Kabbalah. Are, are you okay with Jews following the, the Torah, Torah-only uh, Torah Jews? Well, it's certainly an improvement over the Talmud, but uh, the, the problem here is that uh, if you're talking about the, the Mosaic Covenant, they can't fulfill the covenant anymore. And so this this was created a fundamental change in the direction of Judaism at the time of the destruction of the temple. So let me let me step back here, okay? And I was in Iran, and there was one of the members of Netarai Karta there, uh, uh, who is an anti-Zionist Jew, Orthodox Jew, and I said, if all Jews were like Rabbi Weiss, we wouldn't be here with the problems that we have. And I stand by that statement. You don't think there's any problems in the Torah? Uh, may I respond? Yeah. Do you think there's problems in the Torah, Birkness? No. There's, the Torah is the Word of God. Oh, of course. The Torah is an open plan to exterminate Gentile humanity and make Jews kings of the world. Um, I think Dr. Jones fails to understand that the Jews view the Talmud and Kabbalah as part and parcel of the Torah. They have both the written law and the oral law, and the oral Torah, which they include whenever they say Torah, incorporates uh, both the Talmud and the Kabbalah. Uh, in the formation of Christianity, there was strife between the Sadducees, who were Biblicists, and the Pharisees, who also followed the oral law. Jesus Christ himself in the Gospel of Thomas 
acknowledged the wisdom of the oral law in verses 39 and 102, and his beef with the Pharisees was that they themselves did not employ the oral law, which is the Talmud and Kabbalah, but uh, instead they were like lying dogs who were sleeping in the field and prevented the oxen from eating and didn't eat it themselves. So there, his objection to the Pharisees was that they would not utilize the oral law. And Paul completely rejected the law of the Torah so that he could sell this subversive religion to the Romans in the form of the worship of Phanes Protogenes. Now the well, Sadducees... Paul, 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 okay, Paul, 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 Go ahead. We're, this, we're, up, we're up to an, an hour now. Uh, uh, Paul did not reject the Torah. You cannot reject the, the word of God. It's it's can't do it. There's no Catholic who does it. You, 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 this is we're constantly we're constantly we're constantly why did, uh, Paul constant, the law we're constant, curse and say that Jesus was hung from a tree because he was cursed with the law. He's not. Talking and why about, did Paul say that salvation comes from grace and not from the law? And why did Paul say that uh, Christians should not be circumcised? Uh, he was referring to the law that had grown up that was the creation of men. Uh, the Talmud is a manifestation of this. We're talking about, obviously, the Talmud was written after the time of Christ, but there was this manifestation of piling one uh, law on top of another, burdening people with laws that were not the word of God. That was the whole problem, and that's what Paul was rejecting. So, Paul, so you're saying that the Torah contains no dietary laws, contains no law of circumcision, contains no law of the Sabbath and all the things that Paul said that Christians don't have to follow? This was a new dispensation, okay? The, the, the fact that the Jews had to follow that before the time of Christ does not mean that they had to follow it after the time of Christ. Otherwise, there would be no point in Christ coming and basically revising the whole law. It's a new religion. So you don't have to follow the obsolete commands, obsolete laws of the old religion. That's all Paul was saying. But, but that's what he said to St. Peter. That's not all that he said. He called it a curse explicitly. But um, the Paul law, was himself a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. And he pretended that Jesus whispered into his ear. He fabricated the whole thing. And that uh, is this, also this is further a, this proof. A, this is really interesting. Can I finish you, what that, I am no, saying? No, 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 you just go on. No, we got to stop here. This is ridiculous. You have this saying that Paul fabricated. You make preposterous claims. You can't make claims like that and expect to have a rational discussion. I'm sorry. Okay? That claim has been made by thousands of people throughout the course all right, Christian. Adam, Adam, I've, I've made my point here. Do you have a question? Do you have a final um, question? He won't engage in rational discourse. He's a typical Christian. Well, it, yeah, here, here's my question, Dr. Jones. Um, if you want the Jews following the Torah, it says that they should use usury to, to reign over the nations. It's First of a, all, I didn't say I want the Jews to follow the Torah. I didn't say that. I want the Jews to convert to Christianity. That's my that's my position. They cannot follow the Torah uh, as they should because the Torah is uh, full of obsolete laws that were swept away by Christianity. 
So I don't want Jews wasting their time trying to fulfill obsolete laws and fulfill an obsolete He just contradicted himself. Before he said that Paul was not referring to the laws of the Torah, but was referring to the oral law. Now he just admitted that Paul was referring to the written law of the Torah. This man is a farce. Are we going to end on that note, Adam? Um, no, I wanted to ask you, uh, the Pope says that inside every Christian is a Jew. What do you think of that? Uh, you'll have to ask the Pope what he means. I have no idea what that means. Okay. Pope and... John the Twenty-Third also said that all Gentiles bear the mark of Cain. Do you believe in that? Dr. No. Jones, the Mark of Cain, Pope 23rd? No. I, I, I'm not familiar with that quote. Uh, do we bear the Mark of Cain? No. So if, if the Torah is the word of God, E. Michael Jones, and it says that, that if you're, you'll be blessed if you bless them, but cursed if you curse them... I mean, this right. is the this is the the verse that you see everywhere with Christians whenever and whenever anybody criticizes anything related to Jews. Right. That's uh, if you take the Old Testament out of the church, you create a revolutionary manifesto, and all of these problems, Christian Zionism, is the classic example of the taking the the Bible out of the church. Take the Bible out of the church, you're going to come up with all kinds of crazy interpretations. And the history of English thought is in many ways the history of these crazy interpretations. You have a response? Chris? I don't, I don't, I have to admit, I don't understand what the hell he just said. Okay, all right. Well, we told you an hour, Dr. Jones. Um, you want to let people know where they can find your work, your websites, your books. Links will be all yes. down below, but go ahead and go your plugs. Go to culturewars.com. You can read uh, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, available at culturewars.com, where I cover all of these issues in much greater detail than I could have done tonight. All right. Thank you for participating. I uh, I appreciate the uh, spirit of debate, Doctor Jones, and you, uh, Christopher Don Birkness, Your your websites and, and your books where they can get them. Yes, um, my most recent and I think my most important book is Beware the World to Come. Uh, please look for the second edition when you go to Lulu to buy it. It will say second edition on the cover. Make sure you get to it through my website, cjbbooks.com. Uh, you can purchase it there. Uh, thank you, Dr. Jones. I apologize if I was disrespectful. It is not my nature to be so. I wanted to engage in a rational discussion. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. I, I uh, was hoping that it could have been longer, but uh, E. Michael Jones only had a little bit of time uh, for us tonight. NoMoreNews.org is the website. This will be on BitChute. Let us know what you guys think in the comments below. appreciate everybody for watching. Sorry I didn't get to, uh, to all the issues and topics I wanted to get through tonight. Maybe there will be another time. 
But uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, and I will see you all again very soon. Take care.